Hey, Wizards fans, welcome to the latest edition of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. Coming up, we talk to the former captain of the team, Antoine Jamison, who spent six years with the organization. He's now back and in a front office role as the director of pro personnel. We talk about the good old days, parenting, being an AAU dad, the state of the current Wizards, and lastly, some advice he has for Bradley Beal, dealing with the struggles that the team are going through right now. But before we do that, just a reminder, make sure you download and subscribe and leave a comment for the Off the Bench podcast and tell a friend. Now it's time to chop it up with the captain, Antoine Jameson, on this edition of the Off the Bench podcast. Wizards fans, we're partnering with Clear to make your game day a great day. With the free Clear app, not only can you use HealthPass to easily show proof of vaccination, but you can also use the app to enter the arena faster through the Clear lanes. Get started today by downloading the free Clear app, tapping the black Sports and Events button on the home screen, and selecting Washington Wizards. Then, head to the Clear lanes located at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. When you arrive, you'll take a quick picture at the Clear Pod to confirm that you are you and walk right in. No crowds, no hassle. Download the free Clear app today to get started. What up, Captain? How you doing, my man? I'm great, man. It's always good to catch up with you. I know you're uh, extremely busy, uh, not only with the Wizards, but you're an AAU dad now. So I appreciate oh. you kind of squeezing in some time for me. How's, uh, how's life right now? Life is good. You know, and because you know this as much as anybody, you know, I just remember things of when I was a kid and growing up and, you know, your mom and dad at the games and how proud they are. So I got my oldest son is playing varsity, he's in the ninth grade, and then my 12-year-old is doing AAU. So between trying to make sure these wishes keep going, you know, stay on the same track and uh, being a dad, man, it's been nonstop. But I enjoy that more than anything. I'm blessed. Everybody's healthy and doing pretty well. So it's, it's been pretty That's good. Great. That's great yep. to hear. Uh, before we get to the basketball stuff, I have to ask you, as a retired AAU dad, I just want to ask you just what you are a decorated basketball player. You, you're mm-hmm. noticeable. People notice when a- AJ's in the building. Yeah. Unlike me, where I'd be sitting behind the bench yelling <laughs> at the coach, what kind of AAU dad are you? So um, I'm always there. They know I'm there. They can see me, but I don't say anything. And I think I'm more, I'm more talkative with the high school team as collectively I'm talking about the whole team in general, not just, you know, talking about my son. But I get on the referees a little bit on the high school gym. <laughs> but um, AU, man, I just sit back there. I got my mask on, just chilling. And it's funny because as I'm walking in and out, you know, the dads are coming up to like, oh, man, they like Antoine Jameson, man. That's tall, he's great. So it's like they see me and they're like looking, you know, what are you doing in there? Funny thing, Chris. As far as us Tar Heels, Julius Peppers has a team. So he's been oh, wow. uh, on the circuit, and Terrence Newby and Ed Cota won uh, coaches for, I think Terrence does the 17 and under. I think uh, Ed Cota does the 13 and 12 under. So Wait a minute. You know, if it's Ed Cota coaching, I know they, they got probably the best pace in the whole circuit. <laughs> That's the fastest team on the circuit, if you know by oh, Ed Cota and have Carolina point guards. I want to congratulate you on the record. This is the first time I've had a chance to talk to you about being inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, it was back in 2021, but you guys had the ceremony here recently. Just talk about going into the Hall of Fame and what that meant to you. Yeah, it was, it was um, 
you know, as you plan, you don't understand a lot of the accomplishments that you accumulated throughout your career. And, you know, college has, you know, long, long, long time ago. But uh, I remember they called me a year ago and they was kind of debating on, they don't know if they was going to do the ceremony or not because of COVID and things of that nature, but they did push it back. And, you know, to finally be recognized for the accomplishments that happened in college, man, it just brought back so many great memories. Of course, none of it would have been possible without Coach Smith, Coach Guthridge, and a lot of the coaches. But uh, just reminiscing with my teammates, you know, just knowing I talked to a lot of the guys, they congratulated me as well. I went in with Paul Pierce. Uh, you know, he was one of the greats and some coaches that I played against uh, also. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Jackson was there. He got inducted. He was one of the guys I used to watch at Ohio State. So to finally get recognized for that was, uh, it was a dream come true. Uh, a lot of people just, you know, giving it, you know, appreciation and things of that nature. Coach William called me and said, man, I'm trying to find a way to get that. I think this is when they had a game up in Connecticut. They was playing uh, hours, something like that. And he was like, if I can get the jet, I'm flying down there to congratulate you and be there for you. So just to see that, you know, all the people appreciated, you know, the things that I did. But for me, to really just sit back and just, you know, soak it in. It was good. You know, mom and dad, my baby, you know, congratulations. And my dad, you know, give me the fist pump. So, uh, but Chris, it's, it's funny now because my kids know that I played. But now they're starting to come around and say, you know what? You wasn't that he was, bad, huh? He was, Daddy was nice. <laughs> yeah. When I go to my old high school. Your, your jersey retired at the high school? I go to Carolina. We went to the Carolina uh NC State game another day, and you know now they're starting to see like, hey man, you, it wasn't that bad. So to finally allow them to see that, you know, dad was pretty good back in his days. You know, it's kind of giving me props in the household, but it was just great to finally, you know, get a uh, recognized for that and to go through the whole ceremony and and things of that nature. So I definitely enjoyed it. You know, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and I, I think I told you this when we were at your basketball camp many years ago. The first time I remembered seeing you at Carolina, I remembered you got this rebound and you kicked it out and you started running and you had your thumbs up and you like run with your thumbs. And I was like, <laughs> man, this is a cool brother right here, man. It was like, it was something so small and detailed. And I was like, yeah. you, you ran with your thumbs up. Uh, but you were talking about the kids and kind of recognizing, you know, you, know, you was nice with it. When you walk into the Dean Dome, hey, mate, you ain't but one of what? Seven dudes has had their jersey retired. There's a 33 right when you look up there. So how do you explain to your kids without being uh, without being braggadocious? Oh, no, I brag. You do? No, I, I brag. <laughs> if, you, if you see my kids and you, if you hang around them, Derek, Derek can attest to you, a lot of people with the Wizards, uh, you got to brag. You got to let them know, hey, you know, I tell them all the time, I say, man, they, I'm nice dad to do this. I said, you might can do that. But hey, you know, North Carolina uh, High School Player of the Year, you accomplished that yet? No, nope, don't talk to me. High school judge retired? Uh-uh. You walk into Carolina, jersey up. And it's funny because my 16-year-old daughter, she's kind of, you know, she go to the games. She's on the floor. She, she's all about, you know, being recognized. And it's the funny story. So we leave the NC State game and I'm signing the ball. And all of a sudden I get a tug on my pants like somebody's trying to put my pants down. And my daughter just hit me like, dad, 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 Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan gave me a hug. What's up, Blair? Nice to meet you. And he, you know, gave my son a dab. And she's like, you know Michael Jordan? I'm like, 
my jersey's right up there next to him. <laughs> right and next I'm cool with it. You know, you know the, the sons, you know, they met him before and they, they've been through it. But for her, it was just like, oh, you know, you, you top of the food chain. Now, like, I can't say anything bad about you because she'll put you in your place. She'll let you know, like, right. hey, I don't know nothing about no basketball. She don't call me dad, she call me twin. So it's just like, oh, you dad. Now I can't even call you twin no more. You, you, you suck here, it was Michael Jordan. So, you know, for, for me, though, I'm all about setting the standards. You know, I tell them all the time, I don't have to, I don't have to work out, accomplish all these things, but you know, the work ethic that my mom and dad instilled in me is still in me to this day. I love the game of basketball. In this household, especially with the boys, it's part of our, our ritual. I mean, we get up, we sleep before we go to bed. It's, basketball is always on our minds. But for me, it's just, you know, letting them know that no matter what you accomplish, you know, it's still another task at hand. It's still yeah. Work after they see me here grinding, writing notes up. They're like, "What are you doing?" I'm saying, "I got to fill out these reports and send them in." And it's like, you know, you're still doing that. So for me, I give more satisfaction knowing that, you know, if they do accomplish whatever they want to accomplish, you still got to have that work ethic, and you still got to, you know, strive for something higher, or greater, or whatever. It's never the work is never done. Again, I am so proud of you, brother. Uh, now we got to get you into into the. Uh the Naismith Hall of Fame. I mean, the numbers speak for itself. You know what I'm saying? So the captain is joining us, Antoine Jameson, here on the Off the Bench podcast, two-time All-Star, 16 years in the league, six, and I think his six best years were here in the district. Now you are the Wizards Director of Pro, player, uh, pro Personnel back in 2019. I, I knew when you were ready to transition from player to getting into the front office, because we had a conversation, I think, with, at the, your last year here about that was a pathway, but you did some TV along the way, which I was very proud of you because I always <laughs> knew you were articulate enough to be on TV. But when yeah. did you really get the, the, the zest and the feel of, man, I would like to get into the front office one day? Uh, I've always, in the back of my mind, thought that was a possibility. And I always thought that, you know, I can see myself uh, in those shoes. Uh, as you know, when I played, I felt like I had to manage players and, you know, all, all the other new stuff that comes with that. But, you know, it wasn't until, like, I got the opportunity to talk to, like, you know, Tim Conley, Tommy Shepard, Calvin Booth and those guys. Because, you know, Tim was a scout when I was playing with the, the Wizard at the time. And it was funny because I remember after I did TV, I started doing scouting for the Lakers. And, you know, me, I'm like, I'm getting that competitive, you know, flow going, the juices. I'm like, you know, I'm at the game. I'm writing stuff out, and I'm sending this thing to the boss and let them know what I see. And the whole idea of being behind the scenes, being able to put some of the pieces to the puzzles to make uh, a winning championship or to be a part of a successful organization and successful franchise. And I've been blessed to, to be have, have experienced it with some of the greats. You know, Jesse Buss, who runs the, the Lakers scouting department, to me, I mean, he has that beautiful mind. I mean, you can sit there and the guy just knows everything about basketball. You know, Tommy Shepard's been around the game, you know, as long as I've been living almost. And any situation that comes up or whatever, he knows it. I was around Ernie. Um, you know, I've been around some of the great minds of basketball. And I just knew for me, and it just gravitated to me. Once I started scouting and get behind the scenes and I started getting into meetings and we started talking about this player and that, 
it was just it was just a normal fit for me. And I, and that was probably maybe two years after I retired, after I did the te television. And it was just being out on the road, man, going to see these games, being able to talk to these guys one-on-one, -on -one, uh, conducting interviews and asking them what, why they love the game of basketball and just that aspect. I think the thing for me now that I have no problem taking a slow path because I'm still learning. And I think a lot of guys who played the game think automatically I know any and everything, which we don't. You have to go through the process of learning. And also we just, you know, kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. I'm still a dad, you know, I'm still going these games and things like that. And uh, being able to do both has been like a joy. I mean, I wake up every day, Chris, with a smile on my face. And I think the man, not only for what has happened, but the things that are currently happening, you know, the health of everybody. But um, it just seemed like everything is lining its way up with the people that have been placed before me, the people I'm learning from. We have some great minds, Frank Ross, Johnny Rogers, all, those guys I look up to now. And they just, every day I'm learning something. I just know eventually for me is to put myself in a position where I can give other guys the same opportunity that they might not get. And that's been a, a real hot topic there in the NFL and things of that nature. But talking to guys like the Ron Prophet, who I played with, he's next in line, man. I mean, this guy knows the game, the work ethic is there. And I know if somebody give him an opportunity, he's gonna make a franchise successful and things of that nature. And I just know if I get the opportunity, which I'm, you know, play, play, play on the way, you know, putting the work in, eventually I can give others who deserve the opportunity as well, whether it's front office, coaching, scouting, and things of that nature as well. That is a very good transition because, you know, obviously we all know what's going on in the NFL today about really just one black coach in the NFL, which is Mike Tomlin. And I made a point the other day in our postgame show, Antoine, that in just one hiring cycle this past offseason, the NBA hired six black coaches. So yeah. there's, there's really a different, if you want to look at what the difference between the two leagues are, just look at the hiring practices. But you just said something there that's interesting to me about opportunity. What is it about this league that has given African-American coaches an opportunity to not only coach, but also, as you said, be in the front office and have these opportunities? We even have ownership um, in this league. Uh, it starts from the top. I think our commissioner has done a great job listening to the players. Um, and it's funny, Chris, I have kids, you have kids as well. Certain things that were uncomfortable for us to talk about back in the days, we kind of would have, you know, held in a box or got amongst our peers. And then we were like, let it go, man, this generation, they don't have any time for that. And I love how, uh, I call my kids, they, they woke, man. They, they get in my face and I'm like, oh, okay, I got you. And they have a voice. And I love that our commissioner listened to our players. I think the most important thing is that ownership also listens. I think if you want to say, what's the difference between our league and the National Football League, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, they, they got guys that known each other for a while, but our league has done an unbelievable job as far as listening to the players, listening to the things that offend us, listening to uh, certain topics that might be uncomfortable and they are willing to tackle those problems. And for those who don't, we've done a pretty good job as far as, Hey, you, you, you have no place in the national basketball association. 
And that's the one thing I, I love being a part of is that you have a voice. I love this organization because I've been in certain situations where you don't have a voice. I've been in situations where, look, you get paid to do this job, but the work you're doing, we, we won't even look at your reports. We won't even hear your voice and that's it. But with Ted Leonsis and board members and our front office, everybody has a voice and they actually pay attention and they actually take it into content and you have a job. And I think that's been the biggest difference that I see is that from one hearing is that, okay, the other league, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the man. This is what's gonna happen. We've been doing this for the last 40, 50 years. It's gonna continue to go that way, but everything changes. You know, you hear former players talk about, you know, this generation of players are different. They are. You know, my generation was different than, you know, the Larry Birds and, you know, the Bad Boys generation. They paved the way for us to take it into a different direction. My generation paved the way to, for this generation to go into a whole different generation too. So the problem is that certain people, they, they don't listen to, you know, what this generation is saying or what they're trying to accomplish. And sometimes you have to be vulnerable and sometimes you just have to like accept what they're coming from and knowing that change is not always bad. As you would know, change is always good. I mean, it's the reason why we're at where we're at because of change. And I just love the fact that I have the opportunity to also put myself in a situation to, to change things and to give people opportunity as well. Tell me about your position in terms of pro personnel. Explain to our listeners kind of what your job entails. You mentioned earlier about writing reports, but you're also gathering information, not only what your eyes are telling you, but what the data in front of you is telling you also. Just describe your job. My job is anything that has to do with the game of basketball, I kind of have certain fingerprints into it uh, on the college level. Um, I'm in there doing the draft. I go out and help out and scout talents for uh, college as well. So those are one of the things that I'm involved in as well. Particularly in my position with the pro personnel department is that, you know, you have to find out as much information as possible. So if I go to a game, game starts around 7, 7.30. I'm normally at the game around 4.35. I'm talking to the other coaches. I'm talking to the other front office department, getting an opportunity to talk to some of the players because you want to get as much information on a player because you just don't know, Chris. You might two or three years down the road or a couple of months down the road, you might trade for this player. This player might become a free agency, a free agent. You might have to go in there a free agency and, you know, oh, we have all this information. This is what I heard. So there's a lot of background that goes along. And to be honest, once the game gets started, I'm pretty much a fan. I'm sitting there watching the game. Certain players, I was like, you know what? This guy might look good in a Wizards uniform. So I'm sitting down writing pros and cons on why he would uh, be a good fit for our team. Uh, this is on the pro personnel department. Like right now, man, we've been – and meetings just about every other day getting ready for the trade deadline. So I'm involved with trades. I'm involved with how do you like this player? You know, this name has come up. How do you think he would fit with this team? Uh, you know, and so it's just, it's just about any and everything that uh, you have to deal with. And the thing that, you know, it's kind of difficult now because of COVID, you haven't seen my face around in a long time. And it's been difficult for me because we have a guy that, 
you know, we've known for a while, West Coach West also, that I was helping out in that department as well, you know, finding a coach, uh, a coach for the Washington Wizards. Um, and to go through that whole process, Chris, was just mind, mind blowing because we did a thorough uh, coaching search. We went through like maybe 20 some candidates, all different backgrounds. And to be a part of that was just eye opening because this is the guy that's going to help, you know, run the franchise. And you have to have a rapport with this coach. You have to be in, uh, in sync. And for me, as a former wizard, I remember the first year he started working as a scout. And I remember that time he had to do that scouting report. And just to see how nervous he was, because he didn't want to mess up. But I mean, if anybody knows Wes, he knows the game of basketball. And to see how he has evolved into this fast forward thinking coach, um, and I mean, that basketball mind, of course it runs in the family. And to be a part of that process was unbelievable. So from, from college to trades, to free agents, to hiring the coach, to uh, having meetings with, with Mr. Leonsis and the rest of the, the uh, ownership group. Um, and that's the thing I, I love the most because I'm learning not just one aspect of what it takes to run a franchise, I'm learning everything. So I'm in Frank Ross ear like, Frank, you know, teach me about when you, you know, talking to these guys doing interviews, how do you get the most out of them, how you get the truth out of them and things of that nature. So I learned how to conduct interviews with a lot of uh, draft prospects and Johnny Rogers, man, who's been around this league for a while. He's well-respected. He's been the guy that I've learned the most. And the most important thing for me as well, the analytical department. I mean, I'm, you know, sending texts to those guys, like what the numbers say, and, and Chris, it has a, a place in our game. I've learned so much because everything just can't be with the eye test because a lot of people have failed just about going with the eye test and numbers are, they speak the truth. You know, JC said all the time, women lie, men lie, but, but numbers no, don't. don't. <laughs> and we have an unbelievable analytical group that uh, has taught me so much. So just my short stint here with the Wizards, man, I've learned so much. And it's been a bless. I, I talk about it all the time. The people that come into my life are here for a reason. And when Tommy Shepard called me and said, hey, bud, we got to bring you back to D.C. We got to figure this out. I was all on board because I knew that I would learn so much, not only from Tommy, but from this organization. And of course, I was coming back home, but it, it was just the best fit. And it's been the best decision after basketball that I made. And uh, I've learned so much and just been ecstatic to be a part of the Wizards family again. Captain, I got to ask, since you were involved in a lot of the pro personnel decisions and sitting in the room where it happens, the Russell Westbrook trade, because you have the, the history of being with the Lakers as a scout, when all that was going down, how much intel were you gathering about the guys that were coming to D.C., the Coos, the KCPs, and the Montrez of the world? Like, how much intel were you gathering? And then the follow-up, obviously, is wh what do you think of them so far this year? Oh, man, it, it was kind of ironic because just a couple of years ago, I remember when we drafted Kuz. I remember when KCP, you know, was, was with the Lakers, and I'm in practice, and he come, Kuz, hey, Mr. James, how you doing? I mean, this, you know, young young guy from, from Michigan, and all of a sudden, like, you know, what do you remember when you first got started? What do you remember by his work ethic? And of course, I still have a relationship with a lot of people over there. And I'm 
asking them questions and things of that nature. But and the same with, with KCP. Uh, with Trez, I knew somebody with the Lakers organization as well as other guys in our front office. So that's what it's all about. That's, that's the part of the job that people don't quite see is that we have as much information on these players as possible because you just don't know. I gave an example earlier is that I'm at a game. I'm asking because I you know no assistant coaches from other teams and things of that nature. Like, what's going on with his work ethic? Like, you know, how is he as is he a pro or not? Because there's certain criteria that I just ask, and I'm like, look, you know, if he's not a pro, I don't think you know he's going to have a good fit with this team. And the thing I love about Trez, man, no matter what, you know what you're going to get. He's the type of player that he's from North Carolina. Come on, Twan. You hate, you hate to play against him, but when he's on your team, you you rocking with him. And it's funny because I got to take my son to an AAU tournament, and it's where he's from this weekend. So um, that that's probably the most important part of our job is gathering that information and getting as much truth. Because, of course, you'll come across a couple of people who's going to tell you what you might want to hear. But that's when you have to use your judgment, and that's when we collectively come to a group if we hear something and somebody else hears something that's totally different, we just got to put our heads together and figure it out. But it was kind of interesting knowing that that was an organization that I came from. And also, I fell in love with Russ. You know, Russ held our team accountable night in and night out. You can say what you want to say about, you know, what he shoots from the three-point line or the other intangibles that he brings to the table. But he was a leader. He was a, a true captain to the Washington Wizards. So, we have guys into the organization like that, you know, you really want to keep them because we have such a young group of guys as well that we gain so much from them because I've been in situations where I was that young guy and I was that captain and that, and that veteran as well. So, and it, it's funny, Chris, because we're sitting there saying there's a possibility it might happen. Then all of a sudden draft day, Hey, these are the names that are coming up, you know, what you think. And that's the thing I respect about Tommy and the rest of his organization. They ask for my input and we, we bounce off ideas and we go back and forth. And, oh, it's funny, man. It, it's been times where, uh, that's why I love Prof together. I'm not going to put him on the spot, but Prof, he speaks his mind. And it's been times, you know, we, I just sit back there and laugh because I know how to strike, the, I know how to get the fire started. So, Prof, man, what you think about so-and-so? And then he, <laughs> and he gets going. I just sit back, Chris. I be drinking my water, like I got it started. But man, it's just it's 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 it's, it's fresh. It's just you know, and it's something that I love. And you know, certain situations you kind of get like just burnt out. You know, I love the TV, uh, but putting all that makeup on, man, and then that, that's shoot, man. You know, you the pretty boy. I got the, <laughs> use the one that use the one in Carolina on the pit doing your dance and stuff. <laughs> But it was just something about, you know, driving to Chapel Hill on a Tuesday, seeing the game, coming back home, seeing the Hornets game on a Wednesday, going to South Carolina on a Friday, coming back. It was just being involved, hitting that road again. And I just love putting that work in. And I love because to me, doing all that work, you see the results. And I think we've done an unbelievable job getting some great pieces here. You know, we're trying to figure some things out as well. I kind of knew it was going to be an up and down season. West is figuring things out, but to see that all the work and all the things in the background of people that don't, don't normally see, it's finally coming together. And you, you know, you sit back, you watch a game, 
when things go well, you're like, you know what? You know, I, I have did that. And as, as of late, it's been a couple of times, man, I almost broke a TV here or two, but um, it, it keeps the blood pumping. And I just enjoy being a part of this organization and just learning so much night in and night out. It's so funny you're talking about TV. That knucklehead Drew Goodness doing TV. And the other night when the team was in Philly, Montrez went up and uh, hit a hook shot, kind of like a floater that reminded me of number four. And yep. he said he said your name. And yep. I was like, how dare you disrespect the captain that way? <laughs> <laughs> I put him on blast. But you know, it's funny because you do see some of these guys now that are stretch fours that mm – -hmm. Yeah, we saw that before. We saw that with Antoine. And Drew always says this. One of the hardest people he ever had to guard was you. And yeah. I want to ask you, as a guy that put that uniform on, sweat, paid the price, has a lot of equity with this fan base and this organization, how hard has it been to watch these last couple of games where, you know, when they started 10-3, and three, everything was great. Yeah. And now they've kind of fell back. You know, they're out of the play-in right now. Like, how invested are you night in and night out? I'm very invested. Uh, I think, for one, and which is the most important thing, watching the Wizards is like family. No matter when I left, no matter where I was going, I always wanted to see the Wizards be successful. And when we made the reunion to come back, and now I'm a part of this organization, a different role, I eat, sleep. Which is basketball. That's that's it. And you know, the one thing playing played the game and been a part of this game for a long time. I'm I'm, I'm more realistic than anything. Sometimes I think I'm too kind of like you know what. And when we started the season off, I thought it was going to be opposite. I thought we was going to start the season off slow, then eventually we'll pick things up because we have a group of guys that have a lot of pride. We have guys that played in big games. And we have guys that, you know, they love the game of basketball and they want to play and they want to be successful. Uh, I thought it was going to be a slow start with the new coaching staff. And just, Chris, you know this, when you put a, a different group of mixture of guys, we have a lot of guys that are new faces on this team and that was going to play a big part. Uh, Thomas Bryans was hurt. You know, he was going to come back somewhere midway through the season as well. Um, but I was more happy when we started the season off for Wes more than anything, because I knew uh, the way he thought, I knew the work ethic, I knew all the things he was going to bring to the team. But of course, 16 years in the NBA, I'm going to be realistic with you. I know it's going to be tough. I, I definitely felt like we was going to be somewhere around that five, six, seven range, just because of where we was at. There was some other teams that I thought that was a little bit, you know, more uh, seasonal, and I thought the chemistry was a lot better than what we was going to have. But, I mean, we still got games left to be played for to see what happened uh, against the Clippers. And, you know, we had a call. I remember the next day I was like, when you have a situation like that, you just want to play right away. You want to get it out the way. I think for us we had like three or four three days, days off. Three days off, yes. And I, I was like, you know what, that first half against Memphis, it's going to be a tough half because for the last three days, that's all you've been hearing, TV. And a lot of these guys are on social media, so I know they've seen it on social media. So I was just like, man, it's going to be tough. But to find a way to fight and come back and uh, make it a game the way we did, 
and then I go to Philly after that. It shows uh, the character that we have. Uh, but the most important thing is that, you got to think about it. Now, after the All-Star game, you got, what, maybe 30-some games left? So um, they're going to come quick, and we have to really put a role – I mean, put a, put a nice streak together. You know, last year we kind of did the same thing, but, you know, we're not going to plan on going 17-2 and two or 17-3 and three like that this year. But uh, that's when that, 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 that veteran leadership has to come out. You know, that's when collectively we have to like, put all our differences aside. And as you know, I've been a part of this, the outside noise has to be no more. Uh, for me, when I played, I think we were talented as they came. We, we pulled for one another. We had great chemistry. It was just the outside noise that prevented us from really achieving a little bit more than what we did. And I think right now it's, we got a little bit of that going on. So I think as soon as we can nip that in the bud and just concentrate on, you know, uh, the games and those 12 or 13 guys that are, that are suiting up night in and night out and just go out there and play the way we know we're capable of playing, we should be okay. My final question is, you talked about leadership. I want to get your take because, again, not only have you played here, you've been the face of the franchise here, is Bradley Beal. And there's a lot of conversation going on league-wide about what his future is. I want to talk about the here and now. What would you say to Brad right now as we're getting close to, obviously, the trade deadline? There's a lot of conversation there. But more importantly, getting this team back on track. Man, just go out there and just play. I think sometimes we, we overthink things. I think sometimes we feel like, God, when you play and just go out there and just play freely. And right now, I'm looking at a Bradley Bill that's not having fun. No smile in the faces, no making a shot, you know, a, a, a yell or just a passion. And right now, it's just overthinking things. Brandon Bill needs to go out there and just, you know, enjoy enjoy the game, put a smile on his face, and just have fun. Because, as you know, Chris, I, I've been there before. It's a lot of expectations. It's a lot of, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. And the whole name being mentioned around the league, he's accustomed to that because from my understanding for the last four years, his name has been, you know, mentioned around this time uh, every year. We love Brad. We don't want, I don't think Brad's going anywhere. I mean, he loves DC as well. And I think sometimes, and I can attest to this, you get frustrated because you know, and he's at that particular stage in his career, he wants to win a championship. And I know that's very important to him. And I know, he has a passion for that as well. And I would be the first to tell him because I've been through it. I don't have any regrets throughout my, from middle school, uh, college and pros, but there's only two things I wish I can go back and turn around. The 98 basketball team in North Carolina when we lost to Utah. I wish I could have went back and, and did something different or just been more prepared because I, I hate when people say, man, y'all were the best team that never won a national championship. Like, I don't want to hear that. And then, you know, they are in the 82 team and they out there on the court. And I'm just like, man, my man, Mac, and Vince, and Adi, and Ed, you know, Shimon, we should all be out there. That was like the one of the things I wish I could take back. And I remember when Ernie and Tommy came to me and said, look, it's a possibility. They want you. We don't want you to go anywhere, but we know you want the opportunity to win a championship. We don't want to trade you, but if this is what you want to do, we would, you know, help you out with the trade. 
And I, Chris, at that time, I was just frustrated, man. I mean, we was, this whole rebuilding process, we just came close. We lost to the Wizards. I mean, to the Cavaliers, it seemed like eight straight years or whatever in a row. And I wish I could take that back because um, that was home. That was family. And at the particular time, I was just so just frustrated and just so bent on winning a championship. And I know I could have done so much back, you know, staying with the Wizards. And like I said, it's just all about knowing that however many amount of years I played, I gave it my all and I had no regrets. So those are the two things I wish I could take back. And I would tell that to Brad is like, you have an organization who's going to do any and everything for you. We, we believe in you. We got your back. Whatever you want, you know, we're going to be there for you. And these are some very important years for him going forward. And we're going to get this thing on track. But for him, man, he's got to go out there and have fun. This is the game that you've been playing since you was a kid. You know, you got, you're making a little bit more money than what you were back then. But, you know, just enjoy it. Uh, soaking in. You are the leader of this team. Everybody looks up to you. And uh, just go out there and lead this team on and off the court.